I want to take as my text this morning, as we've been in James, James chapter 3, uh, verses 1 through uh, 12, uh, which if you're making use of uh, the Pew Bible, you can find uh, that page, uh, find that text on page 1200. James chapter 3, verses 1 through 12, which I'd like to read again. James chapter 3, and beginning at verse 1. James, who was the half-brother of Jesus, the oldest of Mary's sons after Jesus, we know him as James. He would have, known by, would have been known by his family as Jacob. But he writes this to the Christian community to which he is writing in the first century. He said, Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he's a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. And look at the ships also. Though they are so large and driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. And so also the tongue is a small member, and yet it boasts great things. Behold, how great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father and with it we curse people who are made in the image and likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers and sisters, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening, both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives? Or a grapevine produce figs? And neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. This morning I want to talk about the problem of the tongue. The problem of the tongue. The Latin writer Publius Sirius wrote this. He said, I have often regretted my speech, never my silence. And yet, this is a bit, a bit of a catch-22 kind of a situation because speech is so central to our existence. I was watching a panel discussion, I think it was on postmodernism, but Al Mohler, the seminary president, he said this about words and speech. He said, words are so important. Generally speaking, we can't communicate with each other without them. In fact, we can't even think to ourselves without words. And still there's the problem of the tongue, which James says is universal. Indeed, notice again verses 1 and 2. He says, And not many of you should become teachers in the church, for you know that we, he's including himself, we who teach 
will be judged with a stricter judgment. For we all, us and you, we all stumble in many ways. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says with his tongue, he's a perfect man, a perfect person, able also to bridle his whole body. And so the problem of the tongue is universal. And this is why James says that in the church there should be few teachers. Not many, but a few. Because teachers are talkers. <laughs> Indeed, the tongue is the primary muscle of their occupation. And James says that teachers will be judged by God with the stricter judgment, and that's because teachers instruct other people what to think and what to do. And so teachers wield great significance, indeed power. And if they're not careful, they can influence other people for evil rather than for good. And the problem is, is that teachers are affected by the problem of the tongue just like everyone else. Indeed, notice again, let not many of you become teachers. For you know that we who teach will be judged, what, by God, with stricter judgment, a greater strictness. For we all stumble, teachers, students, we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle the whole body as well. And so James says that everyone is affected by the problem of the tongue. The teacher, the student, everyone. Indeed, the only people apparently that are not affected by the problem of the tongue are per perfect people. And the only problem with that is, is that there aren't any perfect people. And so that's the first thing. The problem of the tongue is universal. Secondly, James says that the problem of the tongue is never-ending. Notice verses 7 and 8. He says, For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature, can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, by humanity. But no human being can tame this tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. And so James says that uh, wild animals are tameable, and in fact they have been tamed, and then he talks about beasts and birds and reptiles and sea creatures. And so beasts, we, know, we don't think about this, we train our dogs, but you know, uh, every, every dog that we've ever had domestically came from wolves. <laughs> and so wolves and bears and lions and tigers and elephants if you've ever been to the circus, <laughs> these animals can and have been trained in other parts of the world. They're used for, for, as, for work. In the east, the elephant comes to mind. And birds, we train pigeons and falcons or reptiles. Now, I, didn't, I had to look this up because I was like scratching my head. So what about the reptiles? Did, I didn't know that snakes were so trainable. But you Google that, training snakes. And... Uh, and snakes and lizards, iguanas, and sea creatures. I remember when, I think 
it might have, I think, Marine World, when I was a kid and growing up in the Bay Area in California, I think Marine World might have been one of the first sea sorts of uh, theme parks. And then we had Sea World and so on, but uh, the, the dolphins and the, and the killer whales and jumping through hoops and all the rest. But then James says, in a striking contrast, oh, we can train all of these wild animals. No one has ever been able to tame the human tongue. He says the tongue is a restless evil. If you like, an evil that never ceases. An evil that never ceases to be a problem. And then speaking of snakes, he describes the tongue as a deadly poison. If you like, verbal poison. Peterson in the message put it this way, the tongue runs wild, a wanton killer. And so that's the second thing. The problem with the tongue. The problem is never ending. Thirdly, James says that the problem of the tongue is completely unrelated to its size. Notice verses 3 through 6. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies. And look at the ships also, though they are so large and are driven by strong winds. They're guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. And so also the tongue is a small member, a small part of our body, and yet it boasts great things. Behold how great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness, the tongue is set among our members, staining or corrupting the whole body and setting on fire the entire course of life and is set on fire by hell. And so the tongue is small in point of fact. It only weighs a couple of ounces. And still the tongue is so powerful, like a horse's bit by which the, the whole body of the horse is controlled and directed. So is the tongue. Or like a ship's rudder, by which the whole ship is guided. That little fin. <laughs> or like a flame of fire, that though of, of, of very small in size, perhaps not any bigger than the tip of your smallest finger, nevertheless has within it the power to destroy an entire forest. And James says that the tongue is a fire, a flame. He calls it a, a world of unrighteousness. From it comes slandering and deceit and gossip and, 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 and false teaching and boasting and shaming and bullying. And being just one small part of the body, James, still, James says it still has the power to destroy us entirely. Not just those on the receiving end of our words, but to destroy us, the speaker. 
to set the whole course of our life on fire, in which the devil, he says, when he mentions hell, plays no small part. Notice again, verse 6, and that the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining or corrupting the whole body and setting on fire the course of our life and is set on fire by hell. And so James says that the problem of the tongue has nothing to do with its small size. Finally, James says that the problem of the tongue renders our worship a fraud. Notice again, beginning at verse 9. With it, with the tongue, we bless the Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who were made in the likeness of God. With the same mouth come blessing and cursing, Brothers, brothers and sisters, these things ought not to be so. Indeed, does a, a spring pour forth this, from the same opening, both fresh and salt water. You can imagine, you know, in ancient times and in Palestine, they built their villages around a natural spring because no one can live without water. They know exactly, of course, there isn't salt water and fresh water coming out of our water source. Either it's salty or it's not. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening, both fresh and salt water? Of course not. Can a fig tree bear olives? Of course not. <laughs> Otherwise, it's not a fig tree. If it's bearing olives, it's an olive tree. Can a grapevine produce figs? Of course not. And so, James, and neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. And so James says that with our tongue we worship God, we bless the Lord. <laughs> and then with our tongue we curse our neighbor who's created in God's image. And James says this is wrong. This is wrong. Indeed, to behave in this way is to engage in a fraud and calls into question, indeed, whether we are actually worshiping God in the first place when it works this way. Richard Foster, in his book, Celebration of Discipline, wrote this, If worship does not propel us into greater obedience, it hasn't been worship. It might have been the singing of a song, and you like the soloist, and you like the band, and you like the tune, and... But if it's not propelling us to greater holiness and obedience, Foster says it hasn't been worship. Indeed, he says to stand before the Holy One of eternity is to change. To engage in true worship, he writes, is to change. Our N.T. Wright in his book, The Meaning of Jesus, he wrote this. He says, one of the great spiritual laws is that one comes to resemble what one worships. Listen to that again. One of the great spiritual laws is that one comes to resemble what one worships. And so if we're worshiping God, 
but we aren't becoming more like God as a result of it, then perhaps what we're doing isn't really worship at all. Indeed, James says that to bless God and then to curse others who were created in His image that He honors and values and loves is a fraudulent sequence of events. Notice that again, verse 9. And with it, with our tongue, we bless our Lord and Father. And, and, and with it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. Brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening fresh and salt water? No. Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives? No. Or a grapevine produce figs? No. And neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. And so if we are engaging in worship with our tongue, and then with that same tongue, we can curse our neighbor. James says, our worship is a fraud. And so what to do? Well, I think the very first thing to do is to recognize that the problem of the tongue is first and foremost really a problem of the heart. <laughs> The problem of the tongue is not really just a problem of the tongue. We're the ones who wield it. We say what we think. We say what we feel. And so if there's, really a, if there's a problem with the tongue, really it's a problem with the heart. In fact, someone very famous, you may have heard of him, his name is Jesus, he had something to say about this. In Matthew chapter 12, and beginning at verse 34, Jesus is rebuking the Pharisees, which he seemed to be rather accustomed to doing. But this is what he wrote just because he had just finished reading How to Win Friends and Influence People. Matthew 12 and beginning at verse 34, you brood of vipers, you snakes, how can you speak good when you are evil? How can you speak with your tongue when you are evil? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The good person out of his good treasure brings forth good. And the evil person out of his evil treasures brings forth evil. And I tell you that on the day of judgment, people will give account for every thoughtless word they spoke. For by your words you will be justified and by your words you will be condemned. And why is that? Because our words reveal the condition of our heart. Indeed, our words reveal who we really are. <laughs> and so if we would change our speech, we must, must change ourselves. That's the problem of the tongue. Let us pray. Things aren't always what they might seem to be, Lord, and yet with just a little concentration and maybe a little probing and maybe a little reflection and thought, the truth emerges 
and is seen for what it is. If I sin with my mouth, it's not my mouth. Or as when we were kids, we were told we have a dirty mouth. <laughs> we have a dirty heart. A heart. We speak, we speak hate because our heart hates. We speak deception because our heart is deceived. We bully and blame and scapegoat and gossip and slander and judge when it's not our place to do so because all of these dark things reside in the heart. And so the, the solution to the problem of the tongue, Lord, is to fix the heart. Lord, I would pray that we think about these things. Perhaps, Lord, the next time we hear ourselves saying something, to ask ourselves, and where did that come from? And did it come from a good place or not? Help us, Lord, solve the heart problem. Because it's out of the fullness of the heart that the mouth speaks. And this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.